afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Heavy Hole. I am Tom. I'm Big Will, aka Uncle Buck. I'm Justin, USA. How you doing? <laughs> wow. It uh, is USA Day, isn't it? That's right. How was your July 4th? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Well, I appreciated the freedom that I had. Um, I looked at pictures of tanks, uh, all the iterations of the flag, vexology, the study of flags. Got to get the circle, the stars with the circle, the stars in the square. Slow it down with all the uh, geometry. You were watching wrestling at a beautiful lake, weren't you? I was, yeah. Well, okay. first I watched the beautiful lake, <laughs> and then I was like, there aren't enough slams in this in this landscape, uh-huh. so let me open up to the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax uh, beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, watching my dude Kota Ibush against Kenta returning uh-huh. after 17 years, Woo! give or take, to New Japan Pro Wrestling. And okay. they kicked the shit out of each other, man. It was great. All right, I was man. sports entertained. All right, man. I, I, I'm, I'm hyped, man. And, and that, <laughs> riding my segue in, we're getting hyped for our wrestling episode. Yeah. We're going to do our wrestling episode. It's coming up. You know, everybody knows that we put these episodes online in kind of a scattershot fashion. Bob and Weave, you, you can't see where we're coming from. No, you'll but never know. We're, we're going to get this one up relatively soon um, because, uh, uh, as you're going to find out, our guest tonight is playing a local show and dropping an album very soon. But we are recording our wrestling episode next week with a special guest. It's going to be sick. I'm Ooh. so jacked, brother. I've, yeah. been doing, I've been doing pull-ups because it's an upper body business, but doing my presses. Yeah, I, I've, I've been wearing pull-ups, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> my 4th of July weekend was crazy. Wow, <laughs> incredible! Oh my oh, god, man! Tom, so, how was your weekend? My weekend was good. I am sunburnt. There is no amount of sunscreen I can apply that will stop this. Burnt SPF, by the sun. Was, SPF nothing. I was applying every fifteen minutes, and I am still a dang tomato out on the beach. But yeah. I had a great one. Ate a lot of meat. True, you're supposed to do. Well, I appreciate your baby skin. Shout out to Dan Olivencia eating meat yeah, he, that's right. yeah he's, he's that barbecue shit all day that's right. <laughs> where does kielbasa come from poland baby that's oh. right <laughs> it's a, a, a tremendous freedom to come from i'll tell you what <laughs> tremendous ally my my yes. my kielbasa comes from uh cabanos deli right there in Kopeg, baby okay i know what i'm talking about long you go all the way out there <laughs> the polish community is strong out there man that's where you get the good stuff cabanos mm-hmm. deli shot the cabanos deli on oak street in Kopeg. not uh we're not endorsed by them yet that's right. But if they want to get us some of that good uh, Cuscusco mustard and some of that kielbasa and all that rye bread and all that, whatever we got there, man, send it over. We'll talk about it more. We will do this podcast with mouths full of kielbasa. But, oh, it's all great. <laughs> speaking of um, delectable exports, ooh, mm. there's uh, a band tonight that we're going to talk about, and we actually have uh, Derek Vela of Canadian band Tomb Mold calling in in just a few minutes very excited yes this band has been around uh, a relatively short time and they've put out a lot of music very prolific um they're they've kind of uh to, to use a term like critically acclaimed everybody you know that sure. that last album they put out was hot and now as of today we can say this because uh, we're uploading the episode today july 19th uh check out their new album planetary clairvoyance on uh, 20 bucks spin two mold so uh let's see if this guy's gonna call in huh Let's see. All right. Hey, 
Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Hey, Derek, this is Will. Hey, Will, how are you, man? Good, nice to uh, nice to meet you over the phone. Yeah, nice to meet you. How's your night going? Uh, good, we're just getting set up over here. How are you doing, man? Good, I'm just hanging out watching the Home Run Derby. <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Sounds good. Yeah. How's that going? Good, man. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. hit a fuck ton of home runs, so that was cool. He's, uh, he's one of our boys from the Blue Jays. Very nice. This is Tom speaking, by the way. Thanks for hanging out, Derek. Oh, yeah, no sweat, man. Hey, Derek, this is Justin. Hey, Justin, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? Doing well, thank you. Uh, yeah, so, Derek, if you're good, I'm just going to start. I usually have a couple, like, kind of uh, preliminary questions I ask you if, if you want to just roll right in. Yeah, totally, man. That sounds good to me. Awesome. Um, so, I know the band is, is listed as from Ontario, if I got that correct, right? Yeah. Are you originally from Ontario? I'm originally from Ontario. I grew up in Oshawa, which is about an hour east of Toronto. Um, and then I lived in Toronto for most, like, just about all the 2010s. I actually just moved out of Toronto back to Oshawa, um, just as, like, as a holdover, because I was getting evicted from my apartment, and Toronto rent is disgustingly expensive, so uh, we're going to be away a bit in the next few months, so signing a new lease seemed like a dumb idea, so I'm just kind of chilling at my mom's. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I have a few questions about that, because I know you guys are busy and kind of preparing to probably be even more busy um, and and, uh, and things like that, um, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned your mom. Are you from a musical family, or, uh, like, like, are there any musicians in your family or an interest in music? There are on my dad's side for sure. When my dad was growing up, he played he played drums and he played piano. Um, so when he was in high school, he was in like margin band and stuff here. Um, and he was growing up. I grew up not in like a crazy musical household, but like my parents always like pretty cool shit. Um, my mom liked a lot of like the '90s alternative rock that was happening, and my dad was super into like new wave and dark wave bands and whatnot. So I got exposed to stuff like New Order and like Depeche Mode, Chameleons at like a pretty young age, which was cool. Um, and they've always been like pretty, pretty chill about just like me doing my thing with uh, with music stuff. Though like Two Mold is like really the first thing that I think I've like committed a lot of time to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did Did you start playing guitar, uh, or what, like is guitar your first instrument? I should say. Guitar is my first instrument. I'd say it's like my only instrument. Um, I mean, aside from like, like I mean, I can lump bass guitar in with that as well. But uh, yeah, I only really learned guitar aside from like learning how to play like the tenor saxophone for like a year in grade five or something like that. But uh, yeah, I picked up guitar when I was probably 12 or 13. Uh, did lessons for a while, thought about going to university for it, and then kind of like bailed on that idea, and then just kind of played as like a, as a hobby and like a passion. Okay, and your drummer, Max, uh, I hope I pronounce his last name right, is it, is it Klebanoff? Yeah, it's Klebanoff. Okay, Max Klebanoff, I get the impression that uh, you and him um, go back uh, musically uh, a while. Do you meet him early on in life? Um, we all actually all four of us go back at least 10 years just like playing on and off again and like different like punk hardcore more grindy bands uh, I met Max when he was 17 uh, me him and Payson played in a band together called Purity Control which is uh, was like a kind of like a power violence -y, like hardcore band in like the early 2010 like 2011 uh, I met Max then and like him and I just clicked really instantly like just like liked a lot of the same stuff um 
liked hanging out with each other. And he was also, while he was doing that band with us, he was in a he was in like a grindy death metal band from here called Abyss, who have they have an LP out. They they put an LP out on Twenty Bucks Spin like a few years back, um, more like like terrorizer style grind, and they were really good. But, um. And then after like that band kind of broke up, or not broke up, he just left. I'm sorry. After he left, I figured he was kind of like done with playing with playing death metal. And then, like I think half a year later, he asked me to start Tomb Mold. Okay, and um, yeah, I, I have a lot of questions for uh, for Tomb Mold, but just kind of um, getting back into the history a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Purity Control, and we did listen to Purity Control and research for this interview, man. I gotta say, um, just not to short sell that band, uh, and for the listeners, we do we talk about grindcore and power violence uh, a fair amount on the podcast here, and I just wanted to recommend Purity Control. Really intense uh, grindcore, uh, power violence style music, and you can kind of tell. In a way, knowing it's you guys, you can tell the attention to songwriting and um, the, the kind of melodies used, I, I think, stand out. Yeah, that was, um, so that was like, Purity Control was like Payson, like the other guitar player in Tumult, that was like his, uh, that was his brainchild. And so me and Max ended up joining kind of later down the road, but then when we did, like, um, it was so much fun. Like, it was such like, it was like super aggressive music. And we used to play with just like complete abandon and just like try to bring as much energy as possible. And yeah, that was like a really good outlet for Payson at the time and, and for all of us, really. Um, yeah, we, we I still listen to those seven inches we did, man. They're fucking sick. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I noticed there was a number of self-released cassettes. There was actually one cassette that came out on No Idea Records, um, which some of the listeners may be familiar with already, that, that label. Uh, yeah. And another band I noticed was New Armor. Um, yeah, that, 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 that was like the counter of like purity control for Max and I. Yeah, R- a really yeah, interesting was, band. Uh, right off the bat, can I ask, are you familiar with uh, Long Island bands that may be like in that same vein of music? Uh, can you name a couple? Well, uh, there was uh, Scapegrace, uh, Millhouse, um, and then you have the bigger ones such as maybe Sky Came Falling, uh, and then later on, or Motive, and then later on yeah, you have like bands Sky like... Yeah, Sky Falling are familiar names. Okay, yeah, no, just because it reminded me of some bands that are, were very big in the 90s and early 2000s here on Long Island, a lot of people might refer to it as like Screamo, uh, oh, whatever, sure. I don't, you know, not to box it in or anything like no, that. like, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, really interesting music though, I thought, and I noticed... And I believe it was three EPs that that are out there. Uh, there's kind of a, a more more aggression as as each EP is released. And is the third one the first one where there were blast beats in that band? I think so. So that's a funny band because while Max and I were playing like this super aggressive music on one end, um, we were like, well, what if like we should just like just, like we kind of like just wanted to play like almost like the complete opposite, like super clean, really like jangly melodies. And like I always like playing like just like different tunings and whatnot. So like that was like a good outlet for us to just like just like write super quick, like short, like very poppy songs. And then as we kept playing it, at some point Max was was playing drums and our other friend was doing vocals and then he was like, Yo, I wanna do vocals. So we're like, alright, so the vocalist went on drums and then that's when it became like much like much more and more like like aggressive and heavier, like more like screamo and stuff. And then that that was like one of Max's like first like forays into like doing vocals because Max like outside of like the bands he does with me, Max does a lot of like solo work as well with his project Death Neil, and he runs a tape label that's like a lot of like industrial noise and ambient stuff. And he's like he's put out 
like a crazy amount of stuff through that and uh, he doesn't he doesn't do vocals so much with that stuff anymore but like that like that was like yeah that's going back now some years holy smokes time flies by yeah uh, and you know just for for the um uh the listener's sake uh your drummer max he does vocals live and in the studio for two mold right yes he does Okay, that's 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 a feat in itself. Some very classic death metal bands that do that, but you don't often find that. Yeah, man. Well, it was funny because when, like, I, I mean, this is this has been said before, but like the band when it's when Tumult started it was just Max and I, right? And the idea was like, yo, like let's start a death metal band that like we'll just make a couple tapes and it, no big deal, and it'll be cool. And it was like, all right, what do you want to sound like? Max was like, let's sound like like that really like just like that chudley side of like finished death metal like convulse and pertinence and stuff and i was like all right that's sick like we can do that and then at some point we got asked to do a record so like we did a record and we were still a two-piece and then when we were like we got to make this a real band man we were thinking about finding someone else to play drums and max would just do vocals and we did one practice with a friend and his drumming was good but it just like just didn't have the right feeling and then Max and I were practicing again with him on drums and he's like, yo, let me just try to do vocals and drums at the same time. And then he did. And the rest is history. <laughs> but that's, like, that's he definitely at first was like, I can't do that. That's impossible. And then he just pushed himself. Max is so fucking talented. Like he always sells himself short. Wow. Uh, that's 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 interesting, man. And uh, again, um, I, feel, I mean, I know, you know, people know Deceased in the early days did that. <laughs> Obviously, Autopsy. Autopsy. Um, but I can't think of many bands. No, I think like there's a couple. Well, there's a couple bands that do vocals and drums. Uh, I mean, there's well, there's Fetid. I think the drummer sings in that band. And then I guess like Eli from Spectral Voice does vocals when they play live while he plays drums. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. interesting, but, man. Yeah, but there's you don't see it often. And like, uh, it's it's great, especially when we like are playing shows where we can move the drum set like more forward to the stage. So he's a little bit more like of like the focal point um i really like when we get to do that and like i mean i think people think it's sick we think it's sick that's all that matters i've had one guy try to tell me we needed a front man and i didn't really respond well to that (laughs) (laughs) that guy sucks yeah fuck that shit man more pylons on the drum set to get the vote you you got you got a front man and he plays the drums (laughs) that's all um so all right i got a lot of questions about tool mold but i just want to I'm, i'm interested uh you're you're seeing um in in these bands that we talked about purity control and new armor and whatever other projects you might have had what was the local scene like for you growing up and what kind of bands were coming through your area so growing up in oshawa it was we had like this one venue called the dungeon and it was like a downstairs venue in downtown oshawa oshawa is like about a city of like 120,000 when i was growing up um and you kind of just went to any show that was happening so you'd go to like more like gutter punk shows, street punk show, like skate punk shows, um, metal shows sometimes, like grind shows sometimes. Like you just go to anything. Uh, so you get you get exposed to a lot of different stuff. Now, like the first like couple times I was at shows that would have more like maybe like guttural death metal bands or metal bands in general, I didn't like I didn't really care about it that much at first. Like this would have been when I was like fourteen. Um, it was just too much for me. I just wasn't ready for it. Um, but the way I got into metal was through like punk and hardcore punk, which I got into through skate punk. Cause I remember buying the collection all ages by bad religion 
and in the CD liner notes there was like collages of flyers and there was that amazing flyer when they played with the bad brains and it's like the skeleton like holding the top of its skull with the brain in it and I remember seeing that flyer and being like well who are bad brains and then learning who bad brains are and then learning what hardcore is and then from there like that was just like the gateway for metal mm-hmm. but yeah growing up you just like you just went to anything because you're just like happy to go to a show I think okay and uh, so 2016 like you said um, you and Max formed Tomb Mold mm-hmm. uh, it, I, like you know it, it's been said a lot that, that it started out as a studio project obviously and then moved on to something else the the two demos that you put out uh, the bottomless perdition and the molting what was yeah. the initial reaction like that and when did it start to seem like maybe more attention was getting paid to it than you had anticipated um even like even after that first tape man like we just we only made we didn't make that many of it we didn't think anyone would like give a shit we just kind of like well we'll put it up on Bandcamp, but like it was kind of just like a thing that like maybe our friends would buy or something like or we just give it to them um and then we noticed that it just like kind of like disappeared like we sold out of the copies we put up and we we're like oh shoot and then um we got you know like uh our friend dutch like did a did a write-up on like the demos column on the decibel website and we we're like oh that's cool like that's fun and then even but like so the idea was because like we actually recorded the molting after our first lp primordial malignity um but the idea was that our second tape was just going to be three songs from primordial malignity and then while we were like writing those songs is when blood harvest was like do you want to do like an album and we were kind of like okay sure uh, which was like more than we ever thought we would like do with this band. So even after just like the first tape, we're already like having to like redefine like w- what we're going to achieve with this band or like what we're going to do with this band. Um, so even like even at the gate, it was like pretty like the response was like oddly overwhelming. And then while we were waiting for Primordial Malignity to like get finished and like get, get sent sent back from press and whatnot, is when we recorded the molting, which was sort of like. I think like the not the tipping point for Tumult but it was like like definitely like a turning point in a sense of like that was the first tape where we wrote songs without thinking about does it have to sound like a certain thing like the first tape and the LP is like we're trying to do like kind of finished style death metal and the molting was just like let's just play whatever we want like who cares and then like songs off the molting are still some of my favorite songs like the song Vehement Indulgences off that tape we still play it at shows like we just we'll pull it out when we feel like it it's just and it always feels good when we play it yeah and, uh, i i can i can kind of relate a little bit to what you're talking about too because i i was in a band many years ago um that was kind of our whole thing was we wanted to just sloppily rip off demolik from finland that and biolic by, yeah biolic? yeah yeah and Dude, um that's sick uh, thank you man i mean i can't really <laughs> take much credit for for anything but um uh, sure. You know, long story short, by the time we were playing shows or anything, we, we were playing a lot different style material, and people were like, I thought these guys were a Demolich style band or whatever, but you know, you kind of get pigeonholed very easily sometimes. What year did that first demo come out? Like mid 2000s? The first Biolich demo was 97. I think. 97, that's right. Fuck. You guys stopped yeah. in the mid 2000s, right? Yeah, yeah, 2006. Um, the 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 drummer uh, called everything off. He uh, he's he's got he's got a lot of problems. I I, I wish <laughs> I wish him the best. Sure. Yeah. Because like I guess like how like how many bands could there have been in 1996 trying to play like that? Um, 
Not, not a lot, man. Just this. No, there's probably like 400 percent more, 400 percent more bands now trying to play like that, including Tumult. No, well, I, I wasn't trying to take it there at all. Oh um, no, no, I know. It's just like when I like <laughs> when I stop to think about it, it's just crazy to me. Like that, well, yeah. Like that first, that first tape's fucking killer. Like it was actually directly inspired by when Necropolis re-released the Nespeth <laughs> album. So, oh sure, okay. So, Sick. so all the people that um, heard the original Nespeth when it first came out, then when Necropolis put it out, we were like the the posers attaching ourselves to the finished death metal thing. You know what I mean? So it like goes in cycles. There's always there's always right. a new generation of people that the older generation are more elite than you know. Oh, for sure. So it you know it it, it happens, man. But yeah, I just yeah. brought that up because I know that you guys. Um, even today, a lot of people put the finished death metal OSDM term on you, and you were nice enough to let us preview your new album that's coming out. Um, actually, kind of the day that this podcast will be released. Oh, uh, sick! And, and and although you guys have kind of retained a lot of that classic finished sound, I think you've separated yourself from that category in a lot of ways. I think so. I think it was just um, it was it was sort of like like you know you never want to pigeonhole yourself or put yourself in a box and like we put ourselves in the two boxes because we we named our band after something from a video game and made references to that video game series and we played finished out death metal so it's like it's the two things that we just will never be able to escape and like i don't get mad about it like when like because our our name comes from a from the video game bloodborne which is like one of my favorite video games so I don't I don't get mad if people want to talk about it like I, I think it's still fun to talk about it but like I get a little worried that like people are still trying to look for like oh is this a reference to this and this is a reference to that it's like no man like we just we don't write about that stuff like anymore um, but with this record and Manor like Manor like def- Manor of Infinite Forms the second LP we did definitely still has a, like a lot of that finished vibe like when I hear that record it makes me think of um, like that sentenced LP uh, what's it called Shadows of the forgotten past mm-hmm. um and when i listen to this record this record like yeah it's less of that but uh again it's just us like writing without a net it's just us like playing what feels right and and yeah like i'm i'm really i'm really pleased with like how this how this record turned out and that's nothing against manner it's just like i feel like this we're just really hitting our stride with writing it sounds like a like a natural progression, you know what I mean? Like you guys are yeah. finding more of a unique sound than like what, you, what you're trying to emulate, you know, even more from the last record. And I think it's a comfort thing too, especially for Payson, the other guitar player, and Steve, who plays bass, because um, uh, I do like I do all the writing outside of the outside of like our practice space, um, and then so then when we start working on new songs, like the songs are basically written in like and sequenced but we don't know like what the drums are gonna be and we we don't quite know like what steve and payson are gonna play but now that they know like kind of like the style in which i write and like how max like approaches songs like on drums like they are just like it's easier for them to like lock in on what they should play what they want to play stuff like that so it's just like everything yeah like with a natural progression like i think everything just comes more naturally to everybody now which is like what you strive for in a band i think uh, yeah, and and it shows um, listening to that album, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, you know, recruiting the other two guys because I, we did jump ahead a little bit. Um, yeah. So you know, after Pri- uh, Primordial Malignity and um, the Molting, you yeah. guys recruit uh, Stephen Musgrave and Pace and Power. I got their names right, right? 
Yeah. Okay. And you, I just, oh, I always check. And uh, you sure. do the two song Cerulean Salvation demo at that point? Um, no, first we did the third tape, which is Cryptic Transmissions, which is two songs that ended up on Manner of Infinite Forms. I can't keep up with you guys, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. No, no, go on, go on. And uh, so we, when we, when, when they joined the band, we had the two tapes and an LP and they're like, so are we going to learn like all these songs? I was like, no, you're going to learn some. And then we're just going to like jump to new stuff. And they were like, fuck already. I was like, yeah. So we wrote, we started writing those two songs and I was like, we should like record this. Like we're a full band now. Like let's do like, let's do a recording like with all four of us. And, and all of our tapes, um, they're all recorded by Max. Um, which is a lot of fun because it's fun listening to them in order and just hearing like how, how much his like, um, his like, ability to record and mix and stuff has improved because he like puts a lot of work into it and it's it's sick and like he always like lays out the tapes because like he's a he's a fucking he's a he's a he's a freak like in a good way about tapes um no, so that it, was the first one we, part of me i was gonna say it shows in the in the i'm a, i am a freak about tapes as well as, as listeners know and I, I i it shows in the layout yeah yeah um, so Cryptic Transmissions was the first thing we did and then we made that kind of eight in time when we went on our first tour. Um, this would have been about, I guess like a year and a half ago. And then when we got back from tour is when we started finishing like learning Manner of Infinite Forms and then going to record it. Wow, so what is, what's the writing process like if you don't mind me asking because you guys are oh. very prolific in a short uh, amount of time. So the it kind of just like it happens and I feel like like bursts like when when I started writing Manner of Infinite Forms like I feel like I wrote the LP itself like in a couple weeks just kind of came to me all at once but like the moment like I whatever song I finished on like the moment it was done it was like I have nothing left like I got no other ideas like if you were like we need another song I'd be like nah, I got nothing like this is it and then and then it's like my it's like i go into hibernation and then when i come back out then like i'll write another record or something but it just kind of happens in like these like crazy waves like i just get like it's like a spark goes off or something and then i just start trying to capture everything i come up with start piecing it together and then i will like make just videos of me playing all these songs and like upload them to a dropbox folder for the rest of the guys so they hear like all these songs with like no context because they're just like it's just like me playing guitar through a practice amp and they're like these could be cool like they might be bad and then they just kind of trust they'll be good and then they turn out pretty all right once like especially once max like figures out what he wants to play and the thing with him is like i never have to like i don't i don't give him guidance he doesn't need my guidance like he's too good for that shit like he just like listens to a riff and he's like i think i know what to do and then he always gets it on like the first take Mm-hmm. Well, it, it sounds like you guys have been working together, uh, you know, for a long time, and you probably have a certain musical intuition with one another. Yeah, I think I think we know how to like. He's good at like. I don't know. Like, I, I always compare it to like the way. Um, like this is a. I'm not saying we're anywhere near these guys. It's just like a fun example. But like the way, um, like John Bonham and Jimmy Page, like played with each other, and just like the way like they would like what Bonham would play on drums would mirror like what Paige was playing and not following like the bass as much I think like helped and like the way Max accents like following guitar riffs and and stuff like that like he's just he's so he's so good at that and he's always just got like a creative mind for it so it's funny you bring up Led Zeppelin because the first track on Manor uh when I put it on I immediately thought of No Quarter 
Oh yeah. Like a death That's metal sick. no quarter. It's funny. Me. Yeah. That rules. <laughs> um, but it's it's, yeah. it's it's sick the chemistry you build with somebody meeting them at a young age and playing constantly together. You know, where you guys finish each other's musical sentences, if, if you will. For sure. Like, yeah. Like, and it is like it, you. I I sometimes kind of forget to stop and think of like how much music we've created in like the last few years. Like three years ago, last weekend is when we recorded. Uh, primordial malignity or no it's not three was it three or two no it's three i think either way it's just like holy shit like like it's been a blur since y'all churn it out riffs very quickly yeah yeah it's good we love it but a lot of quality music and you uh you mentioned touring and getting out what was like the first steps like when you um when you expanded the lineup and you started playing shows um and how how soon did you go on tour like what, what were some of the highlights of that experience so I feel like we our first tour was in November of 2017, I guess. So Payson and Steve would have only joined the band a couple months before that, I feel like. Maybe just a few. Um, maybe the summertime. Enough time to record Cryptic Transmissions and then go on tour. But we didn't we never really thought about going on tour until like enough people were like, Are you gonna come play like are you gonna come play Philly or are you gonna come play here? And like uh, someone you who had on your podcast recently, Hassan, mm-hmm. um, he was like the driving force of that because he was just like, "Yo, your band's sick. Like, if you ever want a tour, like, I'll put it together for you." So we're just like, "Okay, man, sure." And then he did. Uh, so our first our first tour, I think, was like eight or nine days, um, just like around like east coast of like United States. Yeah, and. Um, <laughs> overall like a super positive experience like it was a sort of like we did not anticipate any of this this is like this is killer and like just met a lot of really nice people and i think that like motivated us to just keep doing stuff um so like hassan like plays a huge role in like this band like existing the way it exists now that's awesome wow. yeah shout out to yeah. hassan <laughs> yeah that's i awesome. mean he's the fucking man right like oh great you guy. know this yeah it's yeah. cool as hell Always, always yeah. been good to me and my bands, uh, as as I said. And just just for the listeners, if you missed it somehow, uh, just a few episodes ago, uh, we interviewed Hassan from Ripping Headaches Promotions, um, an East Coast uh, United States promoter. Uh, I thought I thought that was a great interview. He had a lot of interesting behind the scenes uh, facts, and now we know something else behind the scenes. He was instrumental in in two mold uh, coming to the East Coasts, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Love to hear it. Yeah, and so. After that is when, yeah, we had to start kind of thinking about the band in like somewhat more serious terms, I suppose. Now you're a business. Um, and it was a, there was also a push like we we knew we were gonna t- we wanted to tour after that November tour like we should go tour again, and we were gonna tour in like June of, of 2018, June or July. And but the idea was to go to the West Coast, which and then so then with that in mind we're like well we have to we should have a record done by then like have another record so that what like pushed um that's what pushed us to record manner of infinite forms as soon as we did um also at that point like 20 bucks spin was involved um and but then our west coast tour got plans got changed because um our friends in a feather and bone were like look we know you were gonna you want to do the west coast but like we are planning this tour and we'd love it if you came on it and we were like oh yeah we'll just do that but we still had manner of infinite forms done for them but yeah, usually there's just like some sort of like driving force behind like us getting something done. I don't know why we feel like we have to have something new every time we like go hit the road, but like maybe that's just us. 
Yeah, sometimes you need the the, the goal, uh, you know, right right there ahead of you, you know. Um, and especially when you got you know uh, multiple people involved and everything, and everyone's got real life going on, man. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It seems like you guys, with the amount of music that you you create, you get bored kind of easily. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I like tip my hat to people who can sit on songs for years. I just because like that requires I think a level of patience that I just don't have. Well, I wish I did, but sure. I just don't. I think I the grass like, is greener, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, artificial brain is artificial brain's been sitting on a lot of songs for a long time. That's all I'll say. And I'm I'm getting impatient over here. <laughs> yeah. Get them out. Yeah. I want to hear them. That's right. It's it's yeah, it's tough. Everyone's got different ways of working and different for dynamics sure. within the band. Shout out to the artificial brain guys. I'm not trying to start any no, drama. Yeah, no pressure. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, but speaking of manner of infinite forms, that was your first release with twenty bucks spin, right? Yes, it was. Uh, that's one of our favorite labels uh, here on the podcast. One of my personal favorite labels. Yeah. What's it like working with them? It's the best, man. Like when we did. Um, so when Max and I were doing Primordial Malignity, um, we were really stoked that the, the label Blood Harvest had reached out and asked us to do it. And working with Rodrigo was great, and he's a super cool dude, and uh, he, he, he still puts out cool shit. I love his old skate punk band, Satanic Surfers. Like so, um, but then around the time like Stephen Payson joined. Uh, I just I wanted to work with a label that was like a little closer to home, maybe on this continent, maybe someone I could have like more open communication with. Um, and we thought about like, oh, it'd be sick to work with twenty bucks, but we just figured that like we just like like weren't we just like weren't real enough or like good enough to like like reach out to him. Um, but like I had I had a bit of like a like a relationship with Dave Adelson who runs it, but most like like and when I say relationship, I mean like. I knew he wanted copies of Primordial, so like I helped hook it up. Um, that was like that was it. And he, you know, he said your band's cool. And I said thanks, and that was like that was nice to hear. Um, and then around the time we were doing that cryptic transmissions tape, I was like, look, I know you sometimes sell tapes like on your website. Like, do you want any of this like for your distro? And he was like, oh yeah, I'd like love some. And he's like, and then like if you ever want to talk about like working together, uh, I'd be happy to. And I was like, oh shit, really? Like, can we talk now? And kind of just told him like. <laughs> what i needed from a label which was just like i just need like good good open lines of communication and like just like that's it and he was like oh yeah that's easily done like i talk to dave every day of my life now like we're just buds at this point um but he like he was like yeah i wanted to reach out to you guys for a bit but like i didn't know if you're like a real band or not and i was like well technically like we kind of weren't for a while so like that's understandable um but yeah working with him's easy man like he's he i think like to have a good relationship with a label i think there needs to be some sort of mutual like buying in like if you, we buy in on his vision and like he buys in on ours and then like we have a good working relationship and i think he just felt like confident about like what we could what we could pump out and he uh you know like he but he brought his own ideas to the table for like manner like we would never have thought about asking brad moore uh if he didn't mention it to do the artwork Cause like I didn't know that was a possibility and like stuff like that. So like I'm like I'm eternally grateful to Dave and Vicky who works at Twenty Bucks Spin. They're both terrific people. They've done so much for us. Like as long as like two molds a band, like we're not working with another label. Uh, I I can understand. A uh, big shout to Dave and Vicky because um I, I I know I've met both of them and they've they've both uh, supported my bands in the past. Uh, good people, absolutely, hundred percent. And I'm a big fan of many bands uh, on the label, present company included. Um, yeah. 
And uh, I, before, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say before we move from uh, from Manor, I wanted to talk about that album a little bit um, sonically because I felt like there's still some of that classic Finnish death metal influence that you guys are known for that we yeah. spoke about. But is it fair to say that there's um, maybe a little bit? I don't want to say technical because anytime you say the technical word now, people think tech death, like you're obscure yeah, sure. <laughs> or spawn of possession or something, right? Or flesh got a pot. Like right off the bat, you're like one of these right, symphonic right. tech death bands. But I feel like there's kind of like a subtle technicality, and it's almost more like like mathy drum fills and and in the drums a little bit. Is that is that fair to say, or am I onto something like with a that? Churning technicality. Yeah, churning technicality. Yeah, I would say so. Like I think like. Um, like primordial malignity in comparison to like manor and planetary, like it's like a much more of like a meat and potatoes, like kind of death metal record. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. I love meat and potato, like rock and metal music. But um, I think we just wanted to have like little flourishes here and there, like in manor, like manor, like tumult is all about trying to combine or trying to find the balance between like tasteful technicality and then just like ignorant like pummeling riffs like we want to somehow like sound like like cynic and pantera in like the same song (laughs) that's like because like we just want to play the shit we love you know so like like i love like that super thoughtful stuff like cynic is like i think focus is probably like if it's it's like in my top three favorite death metal records ever like so like stuff like that like it's like i want to like i want to play like that but then also like yeah i want to play I want to play riffs that are like ass beaters, like that people want to throw monitors to. Like, where do we find that balance? So, yeah, Manor is when we started to just like, you know, like Max was just kind of playing with like, with like more freedom and like abandoned on drums. Like, he just was playing whatever he wants. And his, he's really good at just filling space. Like, he's so good. And like, we pushed the songwriting on guitar a little bit more forward. Like, not nothing crazy, but like, it's, it, there's a lot of like, non-repeating riffs like some of the songs on that are more labyrinthian uh it really reminds me of like stuff like psychostasia by adramelic like that level of like where like they were technical but they weren't like just like a frenzy the entire time or anything like that does yeah. that make sense uh, absolutely an excellent uh name drop um yeah. i i've i probably pronounce it wrong i've always said a dramalek um, I, I think, you know, I don't think it matters. We can yeah. just say <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, but yeah, I, I know exactly. That's one of my favorite uh, Finnish bands. I've brought them up on the podcast before. And I know what you mean, too, because they weren't as, like, overtly kind of weird and technical, but there was something to the rhythm and something in there, you know? Yeah, and just, like, yeah, eerie passages. I mean, that's what made, like, that's what makes, like, Demolish, like, the perfect band is, like, the guitar player could be playing something that sounds absolutely batshit bonkers but like in reality it's not a tough riff but then when you have like the bass and the drums like accompanying it it just sounds like the end of the world yeah yeah absolutely and uh while we're on the subject of technic uh, the 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 alleged technicality word (laughs) that 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 boxes people in sometimes nowadays um i wanted to ask you about influences because um there's kind of like uh trying to think of the right words to describe with some of the more intricate guitar riffs um when i say some of these bands does it make any sense like uh more more like uh technical rock bands such as like gang of four the descendants uh or even a band like drive like jehu or botch oh yeah that shit's awesome i think like i think i think steve is our bandmate steve might be like the president of the drive like jehu fan club he loves that i have no 
I, um, <laughs> I love it. I love that band too. I, I love that band too. Yeah, like, all the all those bands you mentioned are amazing, especially like a band like Gang of Four. Because yes. yes. being a Gang of Four, even like a band like Killing Joke, where it's just like there's just like a there's like a looseness a looseness to what they play, and it just sounds so chaotic. Mm-hmm. And like in this like really beautiful way, um, that stuff for sure. And then like definitely like your like you, the run of the mill like metal bands. And then I think also like I just like I just really like guitar players. But like I've always been drawn to acoustic guitar players, um, guys like Michael Hedges, um, or predating that like Robbie Basho, John Fahey. Um, where it's just like. I just liked how I really like the idea of like one instrument being able to like command a room. Um, and I think guys like that could do that. A piano player like Keith Jarrett could do that. Um, but there was like, with some of those names I mentioned, there was just like, yeah, I don't know. this really like freeing quality to how they play that I was drawn to. And that's kind of like always what I try to go for when I'm playing. I know it doesn't sound like that, but uh, yeah, I just like the idea of just like writing without thinking about it is like, a really like liberating process I find. I like using the word urgency. And I urgency. I feel like urgency is what I hear in in uh, in matter and in the newer two mold records. And you know, yeah. I equate that a lot to to a lot of like like hardcore or uh, you know like every time I die I feel like has a lot of urgency going on into it. But it's it's that free form way of playing, you know what I mean, where where you're you're pushing the beat. You're pushing to the next riff. Yeah, definitely. Your um, excitement, yeah. Yeah, and that might and that might just be the fact that like we came uh, like three three quarters of us came up through punk as opposed to metal. For sure. Um, which like, yeah, might give you a bit of like a different perspective um, on like on just maybe approaching music and maybe just things in general. Uh, to be honest, I find like all the best all the best like people I meet in metal and like the best bands I meet in metal have some sort of like punk or like diy background if that makes sense um i know i know i know kind of what you mean i think that that also can be a regional thing um and i feel like i'm kind of spoiled in that because my generation and geography where i grew up on long island in the 90s it was all kind of diy hardcore and punk and i like my death metal experience was either like getting rides to places that were an hour away in new york city or through the mail and the actual like the the people that i was around and the shows i was going to locally were more hardcore punk uh there was shows where you'd bring a can of food to get in instead of money because it was like a you know a benefit show or something like that things of that nature and um and there was a lot more like punk and hardcore and there was like we would call it you had tough guy hardcore and then you had food not bombs hardcore and it was, okay, it yeah. Was, and it was like, you, you might know what I mean, because there's like the more so politically... Like, yeah, yeah, like Tough Guy Hardcore would be like going to a, like, I mean, this might be past your time, like when you were going to shows, like a like hundred demons is like a tough guy band. Mm-hmm. And then like his hero is gone is like bring a can of food to the show. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I mean, who, I mean, it, I, I would bring a, a whole pallet of, of cans of food that he see his hero is gone now. Are you kidding me? Fucking tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Excellent band. We'll, we'll talk about them on the podcast another time, but his hero is gone. Write that down for the listeners. Um, but getting back to uh, to Tomb Mold, while, while we're like on the topic of influences, a Finnish death metal band 
that doesn't always come up in the conversation nowadays, um, mainly because a lot of their later discography is amorphous. Uh, and of course, they have the classic Privilege of Evil EP and the Carillion Isthmus album, and many people, myself included, don't follow them very far after that. I wanted to ask you about your opinion on Amorphous and what, what influence they might have played on your material. That, that's, what's the, the first EP I, I think I like, I'm trying to remember, what's the one with like the, uh, with the really blue album cover? That's uh, them, right? Uh, well, the first EP is Privilege of Evil. And yeah, it's that's, like like the, a, that's like, like the a, black and white cover, right? Yeah, it's got like a ghoul reaching out, and then the Carillion oh, yeah. Isthmus is the next one. I think you might be thinking of the, what was it, Tales from a Thousand Lakes, and it's like a, kind of like that's a wilderness a, setting. I I really like the Privilege, Privilege of Evil. Yeah, yeah, no, X, one of my favorites. Real. Yeah. yeah, Tales from a Thousand Lakes. I, I, you know what, man? Like, I feel like that one I only listened to maybe two or three times in my life. Um, yeah, I think there was a weird stigma around that band when I was like getting into metal because people were just like, "Oh, that band sucks," because like they they changed their sound or whatever. And I, I think I even to this day I just have never gone back to it. I should. No, I well, I I yes, yeah, I, I think it's Tales from a Thousand Lakes. It's like a waterfall kind of thing, and it is. We're looking at it now on the phone. It is blue. Yeah, well, that album does have a stigma around it. Not my favorite album, and I am probably one of the proprietors of the amorphous um, grudge that that the elitists in the death metal scene have. But uh, their Carillion Isthmus album, their first full length that was on Relapse, and the Privilege of Evil EP that predate that, really amazing stuff. And I think people who are fans of this new Finnish death metal influenced movement could get a lot from from checking that out. And, you know, yeah. The LP Amor- is the one where it says like, like Amorphous is like in really huge letters on it, right? And it's like a painted album cover or like some sort of like, is it like a battle scene or something? Oh, that's, oh yeah, yeah, that's we're the first at- one. That's the Okay, Carillion yeah. That, okay, that one I've listened to. I just never remember what it's called. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of blue ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of ice and water. <laughs> but regardless, I just wanted to touch on that quickly because I thought it was inf- uh, interesting because I've always enjoyed their earlier material and like a lot of other people, I kind of turned my back on their later material. Um, but but they are they do have some like really classic Finnish death metal releases, man. But but moving on. Um, you guys have been extremely busy, as we've talked about. You've been performing a lot. Have you been outside of the outside? Well, you've, you're not. You're from Canada, but have you played in anywhere besides Canada and the United States yet? Mexico City. Okay. How was that? That was sick. Uh, um, it was kind of a crazy trip. Like we did the. Uh, There's a fest that happens down there called Total Death over Mexico City, and they did the first. They did the first year a couple years back. And our friends in a feather and bone played, and we were like, yo, how was it? And they're like, dude, it was awesome. So we we're like, okay, cool. And then the guys who run it asked us to to play the second year, and we were more than happy to do it. It was sort of a like it was a whirlwind trip because like I I the, I flew down there on the Friday. We played the Saturday, and I flew home flew home Saturday night. So I was in Mexico City for like literally thirty six hours or something. And it was a great thirty six hours. Like we went to a Went to like uh, Lucha Libre wrestling on the Friday night, Love it. Um, and then hung out at the show on Saturday. Uh, met some met some cool people. Like the local people were amazing. Um, I finally met Phil from Catilist after like talking to him on the internet for a while, and uh, that dude's sick. So we drive well. We all met um, like Daryl from Funerbrom, which was sort of like a big deal thing for us because we're all like massive like Citizens Arrest fans. Um, and he's been in a bunch of like amazing like 
punk hardcore metal bands. So like meeting Daryl Kahan was sort of like we we kind of prefaced up front. We're like, yo, like we might punish you right now, and we're really sorry. <laughs> took it well. He was chill about it. Um, and um, our friends in Superstition played that weekend, so we got to see them for a little bit. I didn't get to see them play, unfortunately, but uh, I get to watch them play. I think ten shows in a row starting Thursday. So oh, yeah. I'm pumped for that. Yeah, we um we wanted to mention that on the podcast um, because we are based out of New York and you guys are playing the St. Vitus Bar with your mm-hmm. friends Superstition, who are also uh, a twenty bucks spin label band on yeah. uh, July the twenty first. Yeah. And um, the album actually drops for the listeners. We could say today because we're planning on uploading this episode on July nineteenth when your when your new album uh, Planetary Clairvoyance drops. Yeah. Sick. Yeah, man. And you guys have uploaded, uh, I know, was it two singles now? Um, so a third one went up today, but the third one was just like a re recording of a song off the Cerulean Salvation tape. It's the title track of the record, Planetary Clairvoyance. Sweet. Um, but yeah, those first two songs uh, dropped and they went over, they went over well, I think. Uh, I mean, I like them, so that's good. <laughs> that's what's important, man, you know, <laughs> in death metal, man. You do, you do it, you know, you do it for yourself, man. Um, and with this tour coming up, uh, I don't want to spoil the mystery, but if you're willing to divulge, what can fans expect to hear live? Like, uh, you know, um, uh, older material, new material, only newer material? What's up? Um, going to be a mix of the this record and the and manner um, with, with, like, one older song thrown in. Um, we've stacked our set so that it is very exhausting for us and the listeners or the viewers. Uh, <laughs> kind of just playing like our most aggressive stuff our most technical stuff um it's a grind like when we're rehearsing the set like i think like sometimes i think max is gonna faint um because it's just like he gets it the worst like i feel so bad for him now drummers <laughs> but, yeah yeah so drummers and like doing vocals at the same time like that yeah um wow but yeah so we're gonna play like yeah like a few songs off the new record a few songs off manor and then uh an old tape track um it's you know we'll play vehement because like that's like our favorite song ever mm-hmm. um but yeah so it's gonna be good though um and we're starting to because we, we so um on any of the tapes you listen to or any of the records we listen to any kind of like ambient uh like samples or anything like that that's all max um max does all that stuff in house um and we love how it sounds on the new record especially so we're starting to like incorporate that a little bit into our live sets um, which has been which has been a lot of fun. We've done it at a couple shows, and we we work on it in practice. But um, not so much to fill dead air, but just to like just keep the vibe going, um, just like keep people like engaged with like what we're trying to present. I suppose this is when Max is drinking water, and if uh, yeah. if you're going to see Two Mold on this run, bring him some water. Yeah, bring him a nice hydrating beverage hot out bring, bring him water and a beer and bring me a joint and then bring yeah. coca-colas for Stephen Payson yeah allegedly allegedly we should have <laughs> allegedly allegedly yes. <laughs> allegedly with all that so alright man so um, we, we do want to be respectful of your time but I wanted to ask you before we let you go you guys have been very busy um, you, you, well you played Maryland Death Fest first of all uh, just a few weeks ago correct yeah, we did. I guess that was only yeah, that was in May. Yeah. How was that, man? That was fun. We um, it was it was like we played two shows that weekend because like on the way down we played with Cannibal Corpse in Rochester, 
or Syracuse? No, it was Syracuse. No Same. big deal, right? Yeah. Just just playing with just playing with CC where they're from, right? <laughs> and uh, that was a really cool gig. Um, we were really we were really stoked to do that, and and uh, mostly just because like we had never played like upstate New York or anything like that. So I was like, well, if we're gonna do it, like this is a good show to do it at. Hell yeah, um, yeah, yeah, good start. Sometimes. And then the, the Maryland Death Fest gig was, it was fucking crazy. It was really good. Um, we, we showed up, we played the soundstage, which is, I guess, the smaller of the two venues that they have it at, because it's Ram's Head and Soundstage. Okay. Um, and I was fine with that, because the soundstage, um, you could stage dive there. And people nice. just went off during our set, which, like, we love when that happens. Nice. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, I saw some people who were like, yeah, I couldn't get into the venue. Like, it hit capacity when we played. Wow. And I was like, oh, that sucks. But, like, also, like, that's cool. Um, and, yeah, it was just, like, a lot of, like, really good energy in the room. Like, I think that's what makes a good show for me. It's just, like, when people are feeling it and you can kind of feed off, like, all the heat that comes off from them and just, like they're like their vibes and like it just kind of pumps you up and like gets you like just makes everything better um yeah that's what it's all think, about yeah like the way i always think about it is like you know like you're like you're kind of standing in between two two things like you're standing in front of all the energy coming from behind you which is just like stacks of amps and a drum set and then in front of you you've got all the energy of like the audience and you're just kind of like stuck in like this like weird middle ground um but when everything is like perfect like it's perfect so that was a really fun set um i none of us sadly could stay for like any of it so we didn't get to see a lot unfortunately the one band i really wanted to see that day was vanum but we got in too late to catch them but they're like a really awesome black metal band one of some of the guys from superstition are in that band okay i didn't realize that but good yeah definitely good band agreed Um, well, what I was getting at, uh, asking you just about Maryland Death Fest, and I think that that speaks to the question, um, is you guys have been doing a lot the last few years, and it seems like you've been doing it right um, and getting getting the results that, that you want and building upon that. What's some advice or some steps uh, that you think younger aspiring bands might miss out on or overlook? Like, what, like what, are, what are some smart moves that you might suggest to, to younger bands or, or aspiring bands? I think for us, I think like I think a couple things we factor in a couple things for sure. One is um, we know that like everything everything that we get to do, it's like a luxury in our lives. Like this is like a passion, right? This isn't our job, um, and so we will do things to make sure that like like you know we can go do this. Like uh, taking a lot of time off works hard, um, but we like make sure we can and we find ways to to do it um, to go do this thing that. You know, we we don't do this to like make money or anything like that. This is just like this is just for fun. But it's like it's just a lot of fun. But <laughs> I, I relate. It's the most fun in the world. It is, and um, the advice that I would give though is is like we can't do everything that we're offered, and we have to be we have to be conscious of like what we want to do. So it's like if we only get to tour twice a year, we got to make sure that like they're they're what we want to do um we don't want to settle on anything like we don't want to go do something just because we think we have to or like we can't do something better for ourselves so it's like you know um doing the superstition tour is just like is like a complete like pure version of like we just want to do what we want like we want to play with a fucking cool band well superstition is fucking cool we should ask them to play with us and that was easy 
we asked and they said yeah so we're like okay sick and it's like oh how long do you want to tour for it's like well i don't want to tour for super long all right so like just do it do it your way um but the thing i would say to like younger bands and, and stuff like that is just reach out to people like don't be afraid to talk to someone that was the biggest thing i suffered from when i was going to hardcore shows for years is i was like just too scared to talk to anybody I thought everybody like was like posturing really hard and like I was just like so intimidated by everybody and like like I wanted to start a metal band before two mold but I was just like too nervous to because like I didn't have long hair so I just thought like oh no one will take me seriously they'll call me a poser or whatever and then Max asked and like I couldn't say no right but just reach out to people like some people will cool guy you and like if they cool guy you then like they can fuck off it's no big deal like the right people will respond to you and you'll meet other people that are just like you who want to reach out but they don't know how and they've got a band and they think their band's pretty good and they like your band and you just get together and do cool shit um but maybe that's just like maybe that's just because like of the world i come from like maybe that's easier to do if you like are used to like going to small shows and like small communities like of like punks or metal people or a mixture but yeah just don't be afraid to talk to people like They'll be nice for the most part. I think. <laughs> well said, buddy. Hell yeah. Yeah, and if and if they're not nice, you know who to avoid. You know. Exactly. Like, you know, like I, I don't know. Like we just, I just, I'll reach out to any band. I don't give a fuck. Um, and whether or not I get a response is inconsequential. Like it doesn't change the fact that like if I reached out to you and was like, I like your band. I think your band's cool. Like I'm not gonna feel differently. Like I'm not gonna start hating your band if you don't respond to my email or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's fine. Like you can't win them all. It's like, it's like. Uh, well, I was listening to an episode of your podcast recently uh, with Malignancy, who's like a, a fan favorite of ours. Yeah, uh, great and you made them, you made them give dating advice at the end, and the dude was just like, <laughs> "Just go up to people. Like you're gonna get shot down. It's fine. Like it's just that's just life, man. It's like applying for jobs. It's like it's like anything. Like you can't win all the time, but like you're never gonna learn unless you try." Absolutely, yeah. So it's, it's a lot like fishing, in a way. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the cast. The, the yeah. guy. The guys know I talk about fishing a lot. They don't call it yeah. catching. They yeah. call it fishing. They, they don't for call it reason. catching. They yes, call it fishing. Right. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that being said, thank you for that. And um, we just wanted yeah, to ask you quickly. Uh, I, I think we 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 warned you. We ask for uh, recommendations for our listeners of a new album and an old album before we let you off the hook. Uh, if you have that. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tweak it a little. Yeah, uh, free. tweak away. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a new band to check out, and then I'm gonna just list off some older Canadian stuff that might not have, not might come across like your average radar. Sick. Love it. Yeah. Um, so if you're gonna listen to a new band, you have to listen to Malignant Altar, um, which is two of the guys from Insect Warfare playing a slower, like more like like mid to like mid like Steve Tucker era, like Morbid Angel style death metal. Derek, I have uh, bad news for you. I already brought that into an episode. <laughs> we oh, we talked about them already on the podcast. Yeah, we cover a lot of ground oh, here, man. But yeah, Malignant Altar is great. What a what a good choice. So fucking good. And I like I love Insect Warfare. I think they're one of the best grind bands ever. And Bo is a fucking awesome dude. And that band rules. Um, well, then, like, you should just, like, be checking everything everything out on on the label they work with maggot stomp yeah maggot stomp yeah. is absolutely great yeah we were talking we talked about that on the um nick from the communion episode yeah and oh, i already yeah. got feedback uh, the listeners love malignant altar a lot of people into that so it's great that you kind of reinforce that 
yeah, I think they're so fucking good. I can't wait for them to make more music. Um, there's a there's a band out of New York called Undeath who have uh, one tape, and I think they're working on a second tape that might be like there might be a track up on it online. They're a cool band. Fuck yeah. Um, they just to me they just sound like a band that just wants to play whatever they want. Um, so like the style of like their songs might shift from from track to track, but I I I'm excited to hear more from them. Man, I hate to say it, but we covered them on our bonus episode. Uh, <laughs> yes, on death. That's right. Oh man, yeah, we got you was, again, bro. That, that was a listener. Dude. That was a listener suggestion. Yes. It, yeah. Good stuff. But you have oh. great taste, Eric. Yeah. This is I'm all this sorry. is saying. No, you guys have you guys have great taste. Everybody, we all have great taste. This is the problem we're gonna find in the heavy hole. Is who? Like we gotta we gotta dig through the new shit. All, That's all even I newer say. than what we know. All I gotta say is great minds think alike. feeling that uh derek you know more than i do about obscure canadian bands of days of yore a little bit i'm not i'm i'm still a novice in the grand scheme of things but like um this stuff should be easily found on youtube so i'll just i'll just list off a couple um there was a band from the 90s called massification uh and they had a tape called shrine of the mortalities which is really good Okay. Uh, and there was a fucking sick band from Quebec called November Grief, who are like more doomy, like like bolt thrower, like style death metal. I think, and I think if I remember correctly, it was an all female band. Cool. Um, and they're fucking killer. Um, I would I would recommend that. Um, this one might be more well known, but Sacramenti Sacramentary Abolishment was a cool band that I think one of the dudes from Revenge had like back in the '90s, uh, or at least played in. They have a this their LP River of like Corticone, terrific stuff. Um, let me see what else. Um, a lo- there's a lot of cool Quebec bands. Like obviously, like people know Gorguts and Cryptopsy and probably Purulence, which was uh, that dude went on to play on Obscura if, uh, in Gorguts. And um, another band from Quebec that was pretty cool was called Fourth Dimension, which is more of like that like mid 90s like technical style death metal um i think they had like a tape called non-physical reality um that one was good satanized the in search of beyond tape is amazing um yeah like i think all this stuff should be should be on youtube like i'm sure like uh there's a couple of those couple really awesome like archival like youtube accounts now which is amazing like the age we live in like accessibility is crazy these days yeah a lot of people loading up old demos and stuff like that you find you find just about everything we've only run across i think one or two things that will brought in from his uh dirty closet collection collection. (laughs) but good stuff every every once in a while you guys will have to be the ones to put it up there right on 
Yeah, I think we have to do that. I, I yeah, I gotta go to the uh, the technical school and take a class or something. Learn how to rip these <laughs> things. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Yeah, just come um, over with some beer. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, um, Derek, necrotic uh, mutation with another one, just really quick. Necrotic mutation. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Necrotic mutation. Love the name. I feel like I've heard that name. I feel like I should know that. I think they had. I think they reunited like a couple years ago and maybe played a couple shows. But they're like, yeah, like I think they're from Quebec as well. I'm pretty sure, like more like that brutal style. Sick. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so, Derek, uh, thanks a lot, man, for talking to us um, and also for allowing us to preview this uh, Planetary Clairvoyance album, which is coming out. We could say today because this episode will be uh, uploaded July 19th on 20 Bucks Spin. Yes, it's out now. Yeah, out now. <laughs> out now. Get it. Come see us. Yeah. Use your PayPals. Use your mom's credit cards. Use whatever you got. You or. Or go see them on tour with Superstition. Uh, they're playing St. Vitus in Brooklyn July 21st. And buy the merch right then and there from them so they have gas money and, and all that sort of good stuff. That's right. Fuck yeah. So, Derek, is there anything you want to say to uh, Tomb Old fans, listeners of the show, anyone who's been listening? Um, thanks for listening to me ramble on for about an hour now. <laughs> uh, um, we're just... We're just grateful for people that show up to shows, people that buy merch, people that reach out. We try to get back to as many people as we can, um, and we're better about it now than we used to be. Um, and yeah, like guys like Hassan, uh, Dave, Vicky, like n- none of this exists without people who believed in it. So like we're basically we're, we're nothing compared to them. Like they're really the reason we exist. I, I will I will back that up and uh, just big up Hassan and, and Vicky and, and all the great promoters and, and label people and all those type of people who really Any, do support the scene. Anyone who's let us like crash on a couch, anyone that's like hung out after a show, um, just like we love it and we're like we're just all we're just down to chill, you know. <laughs> so remember that if you got a nice couch and uh, and you're and you're a cool person out there. Um, totally. Uh, all right, so Derek, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Congratulations Thanks, uh, on your new album. And uh, we wish you the best of the luck, best of luck in the future. And we yes, hope sir. to maybe talk to you and some of your bandmates again one day. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, we'll see you at Vitus. Yeah, man, absolutely. For sure. Oh fuck yeah, it's gonna be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, buddy. Thanks again, man. Later, right. brother. Have yeah. a good night. Thanks, man. Yeah, you too. Talk to you soon. Derek Vella of Tomb Mold. What a gentleman. We really appreciate his time. Yeah, appreciate the insight into the band and the history and all that. Very interesting um, to listen to the new album now, uh, knowing all that history behind the band. Absolutely, and thanks for all the tasty Canadian references that he uh, gave out to us. Yeah. Suggestions that we should, uh, we're going to dive deep into. Yeah, he recommended some things that um, 
we've already already brought up on the show and kind of reinforced uh, that with uh, with his approval and uh, some like you said some uh, obscure Canadian gems. I think maybe now we should move on into recommending some things, huh? Yeah, let's do it. I mean, uh, that's why people are here. You know, they want they want a good interview and then they want us to shut up and share me. That's I right. mean, that that's what this podcast is all about. What what does Will think? That's right. Tell right? the people fast forwarding to what Will thinks. <laughs> <laughs> just put just hit them with that timestamp for when I talk. All right, come on. Come on. <laughs> All right, so let's start with new albums. Will, uh, what do you think about a new album that you brought in? Uh, can you punch up Crypt Hammer on the old uh, band camp? Mm. All right, we got Crypt Hammer right here. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'm bringing to you uh, Crypt Hammer. Um, they're from USA. I-, I looked at some of the band members. I'm thinking maybe the Midwest, but they're very obscure, these guys, man. It's hard to find anything on them. They have an EP out uh, 2019 on To Live a Lie Records, um, and it's really cool, man. It's just it's some of that OSDM, you know, to use a blanket term, unfortunately. I, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really cool, old-school-inspired death metal, and uh, it's really <laughs> catchy, really well-written, and I got to say, this drummer is doing something for me. Partly the production, but the drummer really speaks to me, as does this uh, cryptic Metal of Death-like guitar tone. Uh, I'm not going to go on the Metal of Death rant yet. I I have to spend a little more time with this band, maybe see what they do, uh, find out more about them. But this is definitely really sick death metal, man. Yeah. um, Wow, this album cover is great. This is so crunchy right off the bat. The it's whole all, presentation is just there. It's all about that drum sound and that snare drum. Something that this made me think about was Grave from Sweden mm. um, in the guitars somewhat, uh, but then also the, that perfectly uh, crisp snare drum and drum sound with the Grave-like uh, guitar tone. It reminds me of Hemdale, another band uh, from the Midwest from the 90s. They had a reunion popped back up a few years ago they might still be doing something i was a big fan of hemdale and their uh their run in the 90s uh and this is this has that quality in it because that guitar tone is just so like a power line uh down in mud because it's, it's like a, it's like an electrifying zapping churning mud like first bloodbath yes like buzzsaw kind of exactly kind of very old school swedish man um but that drum sound is just so modern and and brutal, and it's it's great, man. I really enjoy this, and uh, you know you only have a kind of a short EP that's out there now, but uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what these guys do. Yeah, I like this. I like the whole package is working. The vocals are really aggressive. Um, not, it's like that old school death metal, but like there's almost no reverb on it whatsoever, which is like in this old school death metal revival everything's got a slathering cave reverb on it you know yeah i think you might have just nailed one of the things that i like about this production is that you can actually hear everything it's not like you said like all this reverb cavernous kind of sound and you mentioned the vocals it says the vocalist is uh, a gentleman named ian nix who's also in the band worm spelled w-v-r-m uh they've been getting around lately drummer is a guy named cody davidson who was in a band called otis driftwood that i'm curious to check out Mm. based out of ohio uh just to hear this guy on drums i I really enjoy this drummer man some drummers have it actually you know what this reminds me of too big time dismembers indecent and obscene album again for the drum sound and uh performance and the sick swedish guitar tone Mm. yeah Really, really sick thing. Now, that just hit me while I was talking about it now. Is that indecent and obscene by dismember quality it has to it. I almost have to wonder if it's if it's uh, intentional, man. Re- really great shit, though. So check out Crypt Hammer from the U.S. Uh, very obscure, and they're keeping it secretive. 
can hear everything, man. I love it. Yeah. The drums are so up front, yeah. but mix, like well mixed, yeah. So this week, my new recommendation, I have Massachusetts band Fuming Mouth. Their new record, The Grand Descent, it's actually their debut LP, came out last month, June 2009, on Triple B Records. This thing is massive, man. Uh, this, to, this, to me, again, is, uh, is the next band in line of, of modern heavy bands incorporating that uh, the roots of death metal sound um, with just punishing beatdown hardcore. Oh, I hear that. Yeah, between the vocals and just that. You know, it's like the guitars sound like cereal. Sure. Like coming out of the box, <laughs> you know? And it's cool, like, you know, a nonstop flow. It's the yeah. biggest box of honeycombs you can imagine. So, uh, tell me if this makes sense. So this this album recorded, mixed, and produced by uh, Kurt Ballou. Uh, legendary man of Converge. Yes, Converge. Mm. Lots and lots of records under his belt. Uh, working out of a Grammy award-winning studio, man. And uh, I think this band, uh, people should pay attention to this. Um, in my opinion, this is the future of modern popular heavy music. I think this, along with uh, Vane and Code Orange and Jesus Peace and shit, Knocked Loose and, and all that stuff, This is uh, this is what... This is what we're going to end up hating in five years when this is on the radio. <laughs> and uh, I, ca- I can't wait to hate it, but I also can't wait to just get as much of it as I can before that happens. Um, yeah. I-, I suggest this for fans of Gate Creeper, uh, for Nails, uh, End, and-, and other just like disgusting, dirty, death metal influenced hardcore bands. Very brutal stuff. I got to say, uh, uh, a few episodes ago, I brought up Buried Alive. Yes, uh, and mm-hmm. talked about how they were very ahead of the. They were in the '90s, and they were kind of mixing some some sonic death metal sounding influences. Yep, uh, with with hardcore, and like I feel like this is uh, this is further down the evolutionary chart, like in in a, but in a similar fashion. You know what I mean? Yeah, like absolutely. The, the the guitar tone is crazy. Like he said, it sounds just like a like a eternal box of cereal. But it's out. like a churning. I love it though. I know what he's saw. saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I, I know it's a bit wacky, but I'm not just making a joke. I yeah, think uh, I mean, seriously, you understand. <laughs> I think bands like Fuming Mouth are are, uh, are stripping away a lot of the technicality of, of what death metal has become today uh, to to get down to those roots, and I think they're doing the same way with har- same thing with hardcore, which is why the, the buried alive um, kind of reference like works so well with it. Okay, man. Yeah, I did. No, this is cool, man. I got to check this out. Great mix. Yeah, Kurt Ballou knows what he's doing. Yeah. Sonically, man, uh, this album is just like cushiony. To listen to, yeah, riffs are there too, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'd I'd say like uh, if you're a purist, open your mind because there is there is shit in the, in this record for for your old school death metal guy as well as your beat down hardcore guy, and hopefully everybody comes together and fucking hugs it out and buys some merch. Wow, how Fourth of July for you? Yeah, uh, I've just been spending this record a lot. Just, uh, Churning, groovy, 
rage fest of a piece of plastic, man. Uh, the album art is incredible. It's uh, it's I, I believe it's a Polish artist whose name is escaping me right now. Beautiful artwork. It's, I think it uh, it's just represents again the the massiveness of this record. I think this is an important record going forward. To be honest, you'll see this on a lot of year end best of lists. Yep. I'm gonna say number four. Yeah. Number four, number five. Mark my words. All right. I hope they sell a shit ton of merch. It's a great logo, too. With that album cover, they're bound to sell a lot of merch. Yeah. So a new album for me, a pretty cool, brutal, torture death metal album. Uh, it's not out yet, but it's coming out August 9th. It's by a band called Strapido. Uh, the album is called Exigit Sincera Devotionis Affectus. Some Latin that, shit. Yeah, some Latin, okay. It's some Latin shit, and it's on Comatose Records, and absolutely brutal, but really, really catchy at times songwriting. Great production. It sounds new, but it doesn't sound plastic. It can be in whatever language uh, it wants with those vocals. Right? <laughs> yeah, that, really sick vocals right there. So I couldn't find out where the band is from. I'm guessing they're from uh, either a South American country or Spain, because I looked up uh, the guys' names in the band, and it's Oscar, Fran, Carlos, and my favorite, Dis George. I guess I have to play on Discord. <laughs> ah, I love it. I love it strange samples on this with yelling and torture because when I said before that this is brutal torture death metal that's like what comatose is push- pushing with this band so mm. it's like they're doing a they're doing like a Brodequin style thing but without sounding like Brodequin yeah just medieval torture exactly yeah so all their songs are about that right now we're listening to the only single out right now which is death by sawing but trust me the whole album is worth keeping an ear to the ground for if you're into the extremely brutal death metal scene. And you might want to think twice before you blast this around the neighborhood. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, with Gorgasm too, you don't want to go blasting that in your system right off the bat. You know, Beware what you play in front of mom. Yeah, those samples hit you quick. Justin, yeah, but how did you fuck up this week? <clears throat> oh, I'm playing. So I gotta tell you, I had um, because it was the Fourth of July, I had a hemp scroll, and I was writing with a feather my classic album recommendation that I won't give you for the following reasons. So I was writing on a on a boat, 
the same boat that George Washington used to cross the Hudson River. Delaware. The Delaware River. Mm-hmm. Uh, he crossed the Hudson, I'm pretty sure. He may in have. my story, it was the Hudson. Okay. He crossed the Hudson River in a 24-foot catamaran. So I was driving this boat, same as George Washington, with my feather, writing just the best, the most detailed classic album recommendation you could find. Went out of the blue... Some heavy-duty rock and roll shows up in the lake in front of me, and I slam both hulls, because it's a catamaran, right? Boom, into the rocks. Feather ink, beautiful hemp paper, said, we the Justin hereby recommend this classic record, fall into the the abyss. You could have just said you were on vacation. Did you just read a poem? (laughs) I I tuned out. All right, so Justin didn't have one. He gets a vacation break. Yeah, a couple a couple of weeks ago, Tom was like, "I was on vacation, didn't have time." <laughs> I, I don't. What just happened? Well, uh, this happened a little different than Tom. Did you do shrooms allegedly <laughs> on vacation? <clears throat> was that an acid flashback? I promise the listeners, I will come back with some classic rock album recommendation that you will hate next week. All right, beautiful. Stay tuned, Don Henley. Tom, what do you got for classic record this week? Tonight I brought in the band NME, or oh. if you say it fast, NME. 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 Their album Unholy Death from 1986. Yikes. This band is what you would kind of consider a proto-death metal band. Perhaps um, like first wave of that black metal, you know, similar to Hellhammer and Venom. They were doing some really aggressive stuff at the time. This band really doesn't get a lot of love, probably because they had a lot of problems as a band, and they were forced to break up shortly after this, and then they got back together to make another album, and then uh, one of the guys died in the band, uh, the guitarist, Kurt Strubing, uh, he passed away. So the band has been no more, but they did record one, one last one in 2001. Now this is their first full length, and, and there's some riffs in here that kind of teeter on the death metal side. But overall, it is a thrash metal band, forward thinking. Some of these tracks are straight up noise. So if you're a noise fan, there's experimental interludes. And they, uh, I feel like the whole thing was recorded, you know, they're talking 86 here. So the recording technology is something else, especially for underground music. So these guys, I feel like they recorded this in like an old hangar or something. Because there's so much room in it. Doesn't sound bad, especially for 86. Not really a complaint. If you really pay attention, uh, the one complaint I have with the audio on the album is the bass. Because sometimes it works, and sometimes it just feels like you're motorboating some titties that are just not (laughs) the titties you want to be motorboating. Uh, It's very clappy, and uh, there's a lack of muting, but it works throughout most of it. But after spinning it a few times, I realized there was times where I was like, I kind of wish this was EQ'd out of it. But that doesn't go. That, I mean, that doesn't say much for the fact that this is front of the line, proto death metal, proto black metal. Really interesting stuff. Want to bring it to the table? Get the listeners to know. NME should be more well known. Yeah, de- uh, you surprised me. Definitely off of my radar. Um, really interested in this, especially in light of the conversations we've had on the podcast, like when we had Tim from Record Reserve on, and we talked about his band Smut. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, from like what was it 84 85 yeah. and we've we've talked about the whole possessed thing and uh, I'm even thinking right now this is bringing to my mind sarcophago yeah 
uh, and like Tormentor, like a lot of that like first wave black metal that's not really known so much outside of like you know the those those subgenres specifically circles. Uh, right. Really interesting to, to to find these type of bands and put them in the context of what you already know about those eras with your death and your possessed and your more wider known releases. It's an effort to refine a sound. It's never just one band making the, making the sound what, throughout history. You know, every movement starts with multiple bands kind of refining, and then it creates the first of certain bands. So yeah, I look yeah. at a band like this as in they're probably tape trading back in the 80s and finding stuff that's obscure even to us with the, with the internet and using that to create their own stuff. Yeah, that's something to be said too, is the tape trading days a lot of people ended up with just you, you have this kind of customized obscure collection with these random demos that you know, only a, you know, a few dozen or a few hundred might exist in the world and uh, you know, that's how some of these really original sounds cre- were created is in different parts of the world tape traders had this myriad of influences and it was kind of like rolling the dice and seeing what sort of sound somebody would create, you know what I mean? And um, I mean that still exists nowadays. You could you could make that argument for the internet and YouTube and everything, but sometimes it almost seems like too much information. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in, in this era, people had kind of uh, uh, procured for themselves uh, just like a very a very small and obscure, weird, limited, uh, you know, spice rack right, of yeah. influences. You know, I have the uh, second pressing of this, which is technically an unofficial pressing from Big Rig Records. I have no idea where the hell they're from, but I actually got this from me, Justin, uh, our buddy Ray, uh, well, shitty Ray, and Ian went out to Illinois' open air. No shit. What? what freaking uh, Full Terror, Terror Assault. Assault. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we went to Full Terror Assault, and I got pretty drunk, and I <laughs> threw $200 at a man who was selling CDs, and I just picked a bunch of stuff up. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, this was one of the finds, because uh, I was just shooting shit with this guy, and he was telling me, you know, he's a much older gentleman, he knew his metal, found a lot of really good things that way. So I was going through that collection, and I found this, and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed it, and I want to share it. That's great, Tom. I remember seeing that in the, uh, in the old RV. I thought it was shitty rays, and I was going to throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't because now I, I know my enemy and this is fantastic. on the deck okay i brought my uh cd i uh i'm gonna flex right now on everybody i brought the cd bought that i <laughs> ultimate flex i bought this spine grinder a visual symphony of horror compact disc from will raymer from his distro many many years ago and uh, and he looked at me and he was like of course like of course i would buy this obscure crazy classic that nobody else knew about flex 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 all right all right enough 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 um uh, Spine Grinder, one-man project of Buddy Mitchell from Drogheda, 
We've discussed Drog Hater on the podcast before. I brought to the table the Drog Hater Mortisite split CD or split 7-inch. Um, that was uh, Danny from Malignancy gave you that, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, you got a good memory, man. I do, so, right. uh, so the Spine Grinder CD, like I said, that I acquired, um, I, had, I had read, I think, in an interview or something that these guys had a side project and never heard Spine Grinder and bought the CD, and it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Drog Hater, as it was, was really like spastic electronic grindcore uh, and spine grinder just kind of like takes it up a notch to the point where it almost sounds like industrial um, there's some funny effects on the vocals the and the and the guitars and the drums it's programmed but it's almost more more speedy and and fast and and spastic than drug hater it's just like a notch above drug hater really um interesting i guess you could call this cyber grind Nowadays, there's like this huge, massive sea of drum machine grind projects, and it's hard to tell them apart. This was from a different era, and you can kind of tell that in the recording. It's it's got its own identity in a lot of ways, and it's um it's just such a strange, unique little novelty of a release, man, that I've always loved. This sounds like a Caius mix that uh, Bong Ra did, breakcore <laughs> shit. And the vocals have that weird flange kind of tunnel tuby sound to them, and then just random stops and starts. This is just bizarre music, man. And this is the kind of uh, drum machine grindcore death metal I like, where you know they yeah they they just kind of push it to this almost like industrial kind of vibe. You know, what, it's really uh, what weird. year is this from? Uh, this is um, one second here. Hold on, two thousand one. Uh, there's, I guess, rumored to be a self-titled uh, cassette tape uh, that uh, people don't really know about. That was probably like some super limited thing. Uh, but this, yeah, this Visual Symphony of Horror EP was released on uh, CD um, by Extremist Records, which was their label, the guys from Drug Hater. And um, my old band, Biolich, we were fortunate enough to tour. We did a little three-day mini-tour with Drug Hater and Kill the Client. Those guys in Drug Hater and Kill the Client, everybody was really nice, man, super guys. But it was really cool to meet Drug Hater, kind of OGs. Uh, very obscure band, uh, Drug Hater and Spine Grinder is just like the, the more obscure distillation of Drug Hater. So this is something cool for your grindheads, man. If you if you want to go down that, that tube that we talk about sometimes, that hole of... Uh, you know, drum machine grindcore, and, and that, you know that kind of predates when that was a huge thing, and the technology was more available. So, spine grinder. Sick. So that brings us to the end, or shall <laughs> excuse me? Shall you're, I say you're, you're past that over here? Oh, sorry. Uh, hey, uh, alle- allegedly past that over here. Okay. Well, what I was saying is we're at the bottom of this heavy hole. Woo! We're exit. Then we're gonna exit. We're getting out of here. We learned a lot about Tomb Mold. We went behind the scenes and got a lot of insight into that band. Uh, and we hope you enjoy their new album that drops today as much as uh, we did. Yeah, um, shout to Derek. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. And uh, we learned that Justin is a poet, poet laureate of uh, of Heavy Hole Podcast. It's about time you guys knew. Wow, that's another podcast, I guess. 
Stay tuned. It's a poet cast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, find us on social medias, Google that shit, and uh, why don't you give, give us a phone a call? call? Yeah, the, the, the voicemail. Check it out, man. Uh, we put out that bonus episode, um, and, and we, we talked about everyone's recommendations. We appreciate the, all you listeners being interactive and recommending stuff. Give us a call. You yeah. Guys, yeah, you guys shoot us a message. Give us a call, and you talk about it, huh? Just want to hear you about it. Yeah. Yeah, find us at 631-837-3274. Hold on, let me get my pen. What's that number again? That number again is 631-837-3274. Operators are standing by. Call now. Yeah, no, seriously, call us up and you tell us about this album and what label it's on and what you think about it, man. We would love to play your recommendations on the air, man. So thank you so much to everyone who's interacting. Become a little more interactive. Oh, yeah. Nighty. Heavy whole podcast. Goodbye.